even the act of producing that video today and hearing your feedback on it and then iterating once and then calling it a day, I felt like there was growth in that moment. But I think for somebody that may not be a content creator, can you give an example of how someone listening might understand how there's self-growth in creating content? Welcome back to the Thrive on Life podcast. We're CJ and Erin Finley, lifelong best friends turned husband and wife that started a brand to inspire others to make the most out of the one life we all get to live. We are on a mission to help others in the pursuit of thriving in all areas of life through community, connection, and the sharing of knowledge. This series of the podcast with us as your hosts will feature unfiltered conversations on topics of life, marriage, parenthood, health, wellness, and what we consider the The art art of thriving. thriving. Let's dive in. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thriving Life podcast with my wife, Erin Finley. As a guest, again, we are pumping out a lot of episodes with her on it for two reasons. One, I want to bring her into more involvement with Thrive and Life. Uh, but two, it's been a crazy couple weeks and I've been lining up a couple interviews and everything with training and work and trying to align things. And it just has been tough. So some advice for anybody else out there that is creating content or thinking about producing a podcast, just keep going. Sometimes there's going to be waves where you're going to be crushing it. And other times there's going to be waves where you're feeling like it's a little bit sticky. And in those times, you just need to get it done. It doesn't need to be perfect. So 80% done is better than perfect and not done. That's what we're following with. And speaking in line with that, I'd love to dive into how you've been thinking about your content recently. So today we spent some time producing the intro video for your YouTube page. So I have two questions for you to kick this off. It's one, why have you thought about making YouTube videos in the first place? And two, how did you use the whole 80% and done methodology today and for the past couple of weeks compared to your past? So to backtrack a little bit and for some context on why I would even put anything on YouTube, uh, I started a personal brand called Air Inspiration several years ago. It was mainly inspired by needing some inspiration myself. I found myself in a pretty low spot and fitness and mindful living and health and wellness was the thing that got me feeling more alive. I had recently lost my father to a heart attack and was in a completely new city, starting a career, and it felt like the thread that was keeping me going. And like it was a new identity that I was building around this healthy lifestyle, and I just loved sharing about it. And that personal brand entailed in the beginning, just sharing my workouts, sharing what I was eating, things like that. And along the lines, like I, I still post under that handle, but I would say it's more now of just like my life. And I don't think of it as a business is what I kind of wanted it to go towards was like, how do I help women and girls live a more mindful life? And, you know, with health and fitness and everything. But now I think I've reached a point where 
I know myself really well. I know that putting out flashy content on Instagram and just in general, like Instagram is, I don't know. I just don't like it as much as a platform, but I know myself and that I really go deep on certain topics. And I feel like there are certain things that I've studied over the years to one help with my own health journey. I've suffered from chronic gut issues. We talked about that on a recent episode. So things that I've overcome with my physical health and then even my mental health. So for me, YouTube is more of a platform, in my opinion, where I can go deeper on those subjects and just talk and share knowledge that I've gained through this experience. I can go deeper into the specifics of what I've done. And for me, that modality is the best way to bring out like who I am and what I want to put out there. I don't think a 15 second reel or something that's like flashy to get attention necessarily encapsulates what messages I want people to get take value from. And if I look back and if I think about content as like a resume of your life and a portfolio of your life, if someone were to look at what is Aaron, like I want to be known for somebody that inspires people to live more mindfully, know that we only get one chance at life. So to appreciate the small things and have gratitude and perspective, and then strive for optimal health in every way that you live. And I try to share that through the way that I live and the practices that I do. Now, the second question, I feel like I'm rambling here, but the second question you asked was, how am I embodying the done is better than perfect mindset? That's not something that I could only apply to to this situation, but I feel like I've been reminding myself of that a ton since becoming a parent. And in our last episode, you asked me, what is one thing that I've, one trait, I think you said, that I've picked up since becoming a mom? And I've in thinking about it later, I think that is a good one that I've been doing more often, is reminding myself, just get it done. You can always tweak it later. That applies to my job um, and then anything else that I've been kind of putting out as on the side as my passion. And as it relates to what I worked on today, which was kind of an intro to what I just described, my channel and the types of content that I hope to produce, I I think in the past I would have sat there and been like, no, I don't think that was the right way of saying it, or I'd be like thinking too too much into it. I would probably wait forever to tweak it and then never finish it. <laughs> because I think that that's the case. Like there's always going to be something that you can tweak and I'll probably look at it a million times and be like, yeah, I don't really like how I said that or I messed up right there, but you know what? That's not the point. So to me, it's just like, what can I say I'm done and then just move on to the next thing or else like, I think I've had enough examples in my life where I've prolonged something so much that just nothing came of it. So for me, it's just like this itch to get more out there and keep getting better. How did you come up with the name Air Inspiration? Um, I think actually it might have been my stepsister that came up with it. I was really wanting something that was like inspiring. Like I, I wanted to inspire and I was posting inspirational things. And then, I don't know, it kind of just fell together as Aaron Inspiration. It actually was Air Inspiration Fitness to start. But then I wanted to start like a brand. And to me, fitness was too one track. And I don't 
like that's one area of who I am and that's something that it goes, means a lot to me. But the way you started, I, I feel was the 80% and done method. Yeah. And then you veered off of that a little bit. And it's something that I want to dive into, but I don't think you realize how much momentum you were building. What is it like eight years ago now? Because even I gained inspiration from you. And this is before we were in dating because you created that page and just called it something and started posting on there and telling your story. And I want to rebuttal a little bit with you're talking about Instagram being flashy and things of that nature. You don't have to adapt with the platform. You can utilize it for what right. is true to you. And how would you think that I could utilize it in that way that would be true to me? Using Canva, you're really good at graphic design and you have all this knowledge. And some of my most saved posts on Instagram are things when I do swipe overs because people can actually utilize that knowledge and come back to it. When it's a reel, a lot of people swipe past because it's like you either got to watch it and listen or it's done. But if you see images that are really well done and useful, you could save it and come back to it. And then the thing with the images is it parlays over into other platforms. So what's true to Aaron is you're a really good writer and you're really good at packaging information that's high level and narrowing it down so somebody can take a piece of it and utilize it in their own life. You just don't show it enough. And it used to be you were showing it every day, I think a little bit because there was no pressure that it had to be a business. And now we view content as like, oh, we got to build it into something rather than just being Yeah, because sometimes I'm just like, what's the point? And that's where I have to kind of rewire my brain into like... So what's the point of the YouTube channel? Yeah. Um, for me, I think it's... Ultimately, I would like to leverage the experiences that I've had in my health journey and then also like navigating everything that I've been doing with motherhood, career, athletic endeavors to help other people. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I, I think it would be awesome to just put content and knowledge out there and see if that is valuable to people. And then ultimately, if I could connect with brands or you, you don't know where things will go. So that's kind of, if, if I do nothing, nothing will happen. But if I do something and I put everything that I've learned out there, just like tons of other people are doing, I'm excited for what that could potentially lead to. And I don't know exactly what it will be. But I just feel like I have all this bottled up info well, inside let, me that backtrack. I want to share. I think the I want to help people statement gets really overused in the world of entrepreneurship. And I have a better answer. Content. Hold up. Let me finish. For me, me, for instance, like that's part of why I do it. The reason that I really love producing content is because of a selfish reason of it makes me a better communicator. It makes me a better at, it makes me better at articulating the thoughts that I have. It forces me to sharpen my ideas. It creates a sense of forced 
self-improvement. Yeah. And what I mean by that is I never want to be worse than I was yesterday. So when I look at my writing and my speaking and my video production, I never want to go backwards. So I, I'm always constantly analyzing and say, how do I get better? And it parlays into every other area of my life and every other area of my life then helps you, then helps my son, then helps our community, then helps hopefully the world. But it starts with the selfish reason of this is making me a better human being and that's why I can do it every day because I'm focused on how do I become that better human being. And I think for you, that's where the real struggle has been when it, we're talking about these platforms is you seeing where in your life does that help. And we talked about this on previous episodes, how the podcast has helped. I think you're now starting to see how these other platforms if you just slowly, consistently do them, you don't, I think that's another thing is like, people think that you have to do YouTube and by doing YouTube, it means two videos a week and competing with everybody else out there. It literally could be a video a month that you just spend two hours focusing on to improve yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you identify with anything that I just said? Totally. I, I mean, even the act of producing that video today and hearing your feedback on it and then reiterating and then iterating once and then calling it a day. I felt like there was growth in that moment. But I think for somebody that may not be a content creator, can you give an example of how someone listening might understand how there's self-growth in creating content? Like when you say that you get better at articulating everything, like what goes through your mind when you think of something to share and then you tweak it and everything? Like how is that growth? I guess the easiest way to frame this is to go zero to one. It's I have an idea that I want to put out into the world. Let's say there's this book scaling up in front of me right now. Let's say I want to produce content around scaling a business. Even just thinking about producing that content forces me to ask the question, what would be valuable to somebody else out there? So then I'm going to say, well, if we're talking scaling a business, what goes into it is financials. It goes into team building. It goes into how do I market my product or my service? It goes into my branding. It goes into do I need a sales team or not to scale this? So then I can break it down into those themes. So even right there, just asking that question, how can I produce a piece of content around scaling a business, forces me to learn about seven different layers. And also structure your thinking. Yeah, which I feel is a skill. Is and quickly being able to do that and apply it to every other area in your life is probably the most important trait that you could pick up in terms of having a successful life is being able to read information or listen to information and think, how does this apply to my life and how do I implement it as an action as quickly as possible? So let's keep going down this thread. So then I break them into those pillars and then I ask myself, well, do I want to do audio? Do I want to do video? Do I want to make a picture? So if I say I want to do audio, well, then I'm forced to create a podcast on that topic and then get better at talking. If I want to do video, I then have to ask myself, do I add graphics? Do I add fonts? Do I hire a videographer? So that forces me to 
be a manager and learn how to outsource. Then when I think about picture, do I buy my own camera? Do I use my phone? How do I do the exposure? How do I edit the photo? How do I learn how to do all those things? Do I go on YouTube? Do I go on Instagram? So you see how this one little question of I'm going to produce a piece of content on scaling a business goes into 100 different nodes of how and that this could, could be overwhelming. That could be overwhelming. But I think another area of where there's growth is like, say you choose the audio path or the video path and you just spew out what you think would be valuable on a specific topic. Then when you rewatch it, you've learned cut, cutting the fluff, getting to the point. Like those are other skills that you've learned. So now like the next time you film something, each time you're getting to the point faster, you're knowing what to say quicker because you you've practiced so many times just getting to the key takeaways so then in every meetup i have with somebody yep. new i'm sharper if i ever have an interview or a reverse interview is what i would say when you work with clients is because they're interviewing you but you're basically figuring out whether you're going to be able to work together all those different things that you do in life just stem helps. from yeah. content which the reality is when I view content, it's literally just your life. It's just expanding your life. Like what are you doing in your life if you're documenting that? And for me, it's just forced me to get better, become a better thinker, action taker, learn new skills, share those skills with other people, teach those skills with other people. And you said the word overwhelming it's not necessarily that it's overwhelming. It's the expectations that we set that cause the overwhelm. What are those expectations? You started a YouTube channel, right? What is your expectations of your YouTube channel? That people will watch it. <laughs> what else? That let's actually, let's backtrack. Let's say old, old Aaron. What would old Aaron's expectations of creating a YouTube channel be? I'm trying to think of what you want. You wouldn't me to even say. start it because it would have been. No, I don't want you to say anything. I want you to answer honestly. Yeah, I think previously you would have spent this seven perfectionist hours mindset just yeah. on the like heading. <laughs> I think uh, the perfectionist mindset prior to recently, I'd say, let's say three years ago or four years ago, I would have. Yeah, I feel it would have now, taken me forever. Here's here's a great point to bring up. I don't want to knock perfectionism because the want to be perfect is good. I actually, you analyze, have, I actually did start a channel at one point. Remember we made that half marathon vlog? Yeah. I like deleted it because I was like embarrassed about it. When, But let me get into <laughs> this point. The perfectionist mindset isn't wrong. It's how we use it that causes a problem. Your want to make things better is fine, but if you have nothing to make better from the start, you're missing the whole point, and that's what happens to a lot of people. Just yeah, and start think, and then anyone, look back. How do I make this a little bit better the next time around? And then you just keep doing it over and over and over again. That that yeah, feedback. And you're loop. you're your worst critic. Like I'm the judge of what's good or better. So, or we are each other's judge of that. But yeah, anybody who has grown a channel or anything like. You could go back to their first video and I'm sure it's crappy. Like it, you don't get anywhere if you don't start from the scratch. But here's the thing also with growing a channel, I can go and chat GPT right now and be like, what's the fastest way to grow a YouTube channel to 50,000 subs? And the response it's probably going to give me is be like, 
yeah, I know that, but I don't want to do that. Right. The fastest way to grow isn't necessarily the fastest way to grow yourself. Yeah. And that's what I completely agree. Like I don't care about the growth of whatever content I'm putting out there as long as what I'm doing is growing me and getting me closer to a direction that I want my life to go in. So, what so is for that example, for example, if I start training for a marathon and I start talking about how I'm training for a marathon as a mom working full time, blah, blah, blah. And then I achieve that marathon like that is growth. And then the byproduct that you were mentioning earlier is somebody's going to watch that and now potentially be inspired to do their own marathon or start their own channel. Mm -hmm. But the focus was of you doing the marathon and you recording and documenting your progress for the marathon. Right. And I think you've lost a bit of that over the years. You started with it. That's what it literally even got me to this point is you started that Instagram. I was following it when I was outside of New York and like, damn, this is what I need to be doing. I was hiding behind my little private account posting about my beers and weekend adventures before Instagram even have stories or anything like that. And I was watching you post health, wellness, fitness, and storytelling before a lot of other people were doing it. And now YouTube is the same thing. It's just a different modality. It's going to challenge you to speak in front of the camera. So that's where I'd love for you to dissect. Where could you do a better job of speaking in front of the camera based on what you've seen on YouTube? And what are you working on there? Because I think a lot of people out there, that's the inhibitor for them is like, oh, I suck in front of the camera or I'm not a good public speaker or I don't know what to say when the camera is on me. Yeah. I How think are you feeling in that area? I think it like what we did today where I just sat down at my desk and talked in front of a camera that I can do. I mean, obviously I don't think it's great. I'll have to get better, but what I think will be overwhelming for me is to show more content of like behind the scenes of what I'm doing in my day and having a camera with me to share pieces of that and not worry about like the quality of that. But that is what why does that ultimately I want to share just because it feels like a lot of work. <laughs> it feels like a hard like to be thinking about, Oh, I got to And I also, I don't want to do anything to the point where I'm not like present or if it's like taking away from moments that I could be spending with Aiden or something like that. So I think I have to just be strategic with how I, yeah, but this is where you have to flip your mindset. What if you did this and you went all in on it and then you can spend way more time with Aiden because you did that. That's true. What if you made it work? Is that work better than a lot of the other work that you do? Well, that's the other thing. I think I have to view this as, and like content creation, as much as work as I view my actual work. And I, that's not something I've ever done before. So I give so much to my actual work and I give probably like 5% to the stuff that I would make on the side. And I've often asked myself, like, what if I just treated this like there was some accountability on the other side where, like, this was what I was getting paid to do or something like that. So, and in some cases that, that has been the case where I'm creating something for a brand. But if that was, like, a job, I would put way more effort and attention into it. So, But I've what kind of stops myself, you from doing that? Competing energy. What is the boulder? Competing energy and overwhelm. 
No, I think it's expectation. I think going to the point of the overwhelm, it's you, you're thinking it has to be 100, zero or zero, 100, a hundred percent, the work you do now and 5%, let's say 95 and five, why can't it be 80, 20? Why can't you just maintain 80% of the work you do now and just have 20% of the content that you produce is work. And then the rest of the content, you can just be willy nilly with it. Try 80, 20 first. And this goes for everybody else out there that's listening. 80-20 works in so many different areas of life, especially for content. Do 20% of your content to try and get a client, to try and promote a product. Just start there. And then the rest, do what you want to do. And then eventually you might flip it and be like 80% for the client, for the product, 20% for me. You can ramp up and ramp down, but 5% and 95% is never going to get you anywhere. 100 and zero. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are all or nothing and content doesn't have to be like that. Just like when I got on here on the podcast and just said, I'm just keeping it going. Like in me, my ego is like, oh, we're not doing it as like, I'm not bringing on two guests a week and it's not as good as it was six months ago. And, but then I remind myself every interview improves me. Every time I sit down, I get better and I get better and I get better. Maybe my downloads get a little bit less because I'm not bringing on as many guests, but I will. I will get those guests. There will be a gap of time where I'll be able to go back to back to back to back. And if I just keep practicing, I'm going to be even better when I get to that time. Content is the same way. If you treat it like that, the 80-20, you're going to see the result. And that's where, let's get towards the wrapping up of this. What are you taking action-wise, what steps for this YouTube channel to do it quote unquote, the right way. I don't like that word, but to make sure that we're not just wasting time saying you're going to do this YouTube channel. Like how are you setting yeah, yourself up for success? I think it's like definitely the systems around it of planning out a strategy of what pillars of content I want to create. So for example, for me, optimal health is a pillar. Training, hybrid training is a pillar. So strength and endurance. And then I would call it probably like motherhood lifestyle of how I'm navigating that. And that, I don't know what that'll look like yet, but those three things and then kind of having topics underneath that I feel I can speak on and sharing more and showing more of my life could be valuable in those areas. So having structure in that sense of what's the content strategy, what is it going to be about, where, what are the topics? And then I think you would tell me that like a job, I need to then put in a system of accountability of like, okay, what is the timeline for this? When is the recording happening, the scripting, the actual editing, da, 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 da. Am I doing all of that? Am I outsourcing any of it? And then when? And then I think that's pretty much it. And that I have never treated content that way before. Yeah, I think it's as simple as most people think how. How am I going to do this? But really it's when and what. So it's picking a date. When are you going to do something? And what is it you're doing on that date just to move 1% better? So a good example is today you woke up and you're just like, I'm going to create the intro video to the YouTube and I'm on my run and I'm getting videos of you practicing it. And then I'm literally recording while I'm running around the lake of like tips for it. And then I said, we're going to record the polished one when I get back, but keep practicing. And 
I didn't tell you this, but one of the reasons that I wanted you to just practice on the phone, I already had in my mind that we were going to do it with a legit camera. Cause the other day I told you like, let's do this thing. Right. But I didn't want, when you asked to use a camera, I didn't want that to inhibit you from iterating. So with the phone, it's very quickly to iterate because you can send it through a text message and we can mess with it. But with the camera, got to put it, export it and a whole bunch of other stuff that I wanted to do with it. So moving forward, take that into consideration with everything you do is like, if you're listening and you're creating content, you don't have to post the thing that you record. You can just put your phone up and just keep practicing and getting better. I remember when I first started business school, one of the first things we had to do as part of orientation before we even got to campus or started anything, they made you film an intro video of yourself and then they would grade it. Like you would get an automatic grading back based on like how enthusiastic you were, the the word choices you used and like mine was so low. (laughs) I think I was so monotone. Did you ever tell me this? I don't know. I filmed it. Oh, I think also it was like in the dark of that. Remember that apartment we were at first in Austin? I just like propped up my phone and it was really bad. And yeah, I don't, I don't think you've come a long way when we recorded. So find that video. Also, when I got home and we recorded, you did it in one take. Did you like, and it didn't even equate in your head that you were like, damn, I just did this in one take. And I'm, I'm pretty strict because if we're going to do it again, we're going to do it right. And you literally did a two minute thing, one take. And I was like, this is good enough. Let's just roll with this. Now it was only, I think you only did it in a one take because you had the practice in front of the camera earlier in the day. Maybe. I think earlier in the day, what it wasn't necessarily being in front of the camera. It was more thinking through what is the point of what I'm saying. So first I'm going to introduce myself, why I'm starting this, what it's going to be about. And like, yeah, I didn't mean in front of the camera as if you're like camera shy. I meant in front of the camera when you, when you like the camera is staring at me right now, when you're in front of it, you're like, uh, what, what am I trying to say? Or where am I trying to go with this? And the first time is never the polished Yeah, but I think it, it wasn't necessarily practicing in front of the camera. It was sitting down. I think I would have done it that way if I had still done the exercise of like bulleting out. And been in front of this, this. anything. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Putting in the work. Right. As a job. So we're going to end there. If you're trying to start your own content journey, reach out to us. We've done it all. Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, podcasting, blogging. Is there anything I'm forgetting? I don't know. (laughs) Come on. Newsletters. MySpace. (laughs) You have a newsletter. AOL Instant Messenger 30 years ago. No, not 30 years ago. If you're starting your journey, we get it. It's tough. It can be overwhelming. The cool thing is there's a lot of people out there that are willing to help and you can connect with. And there's so many ideas and ways and paths that you can go down to make it enjoyable for yourself. My biggest piece of advice, it's the same thing that I've been telling Aaron, is when and what She knows what she wants to talk about. She has this thing in there, but put a date down to set aside some time and say, I'm going to put the camera in front of me and I'm going to treat it like my job. And then what are you doing that day to move that 1% better? So my challenge for you this week is to do exactly that. Treat it like a job. Anything else you want to say before we wrap? That's it. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Till next time, thrive on y'all. 
What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.